Hello and welcome to this special episode of Epochs where I'm going to be talking all about one of my favourite things, castles. And I am joined by YouTuber and author Shad M. Brooks of Shadversity fame. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, any excuse to talk about castles is wonderful. I'll talk about it for days. Yeah, no, me too. don't know about you, but uh, I don't know how many times you've uh, been at a, a, a party or a barbecue or something. You try and mm. talk about castles or star forts or mm -hmm. hill forts or something and people just don't want to know they don't care yeah. so when you find a kindred spirit <laughs> it's great just to have a chat well the key is you said try uh, yeah i just do they can listen to me or not but <laughs> they, or i just try and force the conversation put it online one or the other <laughs> i don't know how many times i'll you know try and talk about uh, medieval times or ancient times and people are just like wait for you to finish and then start talking about <laughs> reality TV. So, all right. Um, I thought what we do, because obviously you're, obviously everyone who knows you knows you're a, a massive history fan and big mm -hmm. fan of all sorts of weaponry and castles and things. Mm -hmm. But um, what I thought I'd do is do about nine or ten castles, mm -hmm. some of my favourites. Wonderful. And I know that at least two or three of them are among your favourites as well. Yes, I, I did a video on my top ten favourite castles. And uh, some of them are sort of obvious picks. You know, like mm -hmm. when people do a top 10 favourite films, mm -hmm. sort of most people pick yes. some of the same ones, like Godfather 1 or something. Mm -hmm. um, so some of them might be a bit obvious to any castle nerds out there. Mm -hmm. uh, but one or two of them are sort of just personal picks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but before we, get, before we dive in, I understand where you've been in Britain for a few days. You've actually visited a few. Oh, yes. And I think there'll be one or two that's on this list. That I've had the pleasure to visit. Oh, that'll be great because I did go out of my way to try and visit some of my favourites, like, right. like Castle. Um, uh, oh, don't you hate it when you have it's on your mind and then it slips away? Um, Corf, Castle Corf, one of my favourites. And uh, then I've also discovered ones that I wasn't too familiar with that have become up there in my favourites, right. like Castle Corf. It's C O C H. And so, but. It's in Welsh, and so to, so the proper pronunciation is like quah, 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 yeah. uh, and it, it means red in Welsh, and so right. it's the red castle. But that's one of my favourite. I love that. Right, mm. I'm not I'm not sure if I'm even familiar with that. Um, yeah, it's less known. Right. Um, I didn't, I hadn't even heard of it uh, until we started looking up in depth which castles do we want to see in Wales, and we we're looking and it's like, what's this one? And lo and behold, incredible castle. Well, we are blessed in these aisles <laughs> with a lot of castles. Yes. Uh, well, if you look at a map that sort of puts a pin in all of them, it's just covered. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just absolutely yeah. covered. And Wales, particularly. One of the most castle-dense countries in the world. Right. I yeah. Mm. And um, I feel a little bit sorry for countries that don't have them. I don't mean that in a, no, in a, no, in a condescending... Pity. No, or... please pity us. Like, <laughs> I come from Australia. And, like, we don't have castles. This is the thing. Uh, we have attempts that I am glad that they have attempted it. Uh, I, I can understand and appreciate the love in attempting to build a castle, right. uh, but none have reached the standard of what a castle should be. Right. Uh, not yet. I hope to change that <laughs> if, if my future pans out the way I would like. Uh, but as currently right now, I would say we don't have any proper castle. What you would Australia. commission, design, and have built your own castle in Australia? I've already if designed them. Right, oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. I have several designed, <laughs> and uh, and uh, with multiple uh, methods of construction, possibly uh, hypothesis because they're, they're odd buildings. Um, I have the land. Uh, I, I I would just need the funds and a success in my other projects and things. And yeah, that's something I would 
um, oh, I intend to do. Well, I just had a quick conversation with uh, Mr. Josh Firm this very morning, who said mm -hmm. he visited the most recently built castle in England, mm -hmm. which I hadn't heard of, and it was sort of 1910. <laughs> so, yeah, but most of these ones, with one exception on my list, they're mm -hmm. sort of all true, true castles, because oh. you get into a point, when does it become sort of really just a, a stately home, or when is it yes. a more of a fort than a castle, it, and true. all that sort of thing. So is it Neuschwanstein? Uh, well, that is one of them, yeah. One of them. <laughs> I'm counting that as just an out-and-out -out castle. Well, so, that, that goes into a complicated discussion that I have uh, uh, done a couple of videos on about that. What is the definition of castle? Right, because yeah, yeah. We, in English, we only really have one word. And yeah, Chateau is, is castle in French, and we kind of adopt it and applies different things. Um, and they do a bit better in, in, in the German language, where they have like a schloss. Uh, um, again, escapes me. But I, I've... I, done videos on where there's uh, two different um, terms uh, to define like uh, a building that looks castle-like right. versus an actual fortified castle. Um, and so, yeah, so they, like, and because castles change over time mm, and the first mm, they were mm. fortresses, but then they wanted to become more livable and they open up the windows and they add additions onto them. Uh, Warwick Castle is very much like mm, this, where, where right. very little of the medieval, well, there's medieval castle there, but a good portion of it is, uh, well, I mean, it's Renaissance stately homes to then Gothic revival, to, and, and it's gorgeous. And it, it, of course, it's all castle because that's, mm. you know, but it means that castle as a term it has, it has to and is by necessity being fluid over time um, to the point where you have different types of castle. And, the odd thing is, like, the, if, if I was to try and figure out what the most applicable and you, and the way the word castle is used in language today is actually ends up being a very loose term. It mean, basically, the way castle is used is, any, is referred to any building that looks castle-like, <laughs> which is right. such a loose, vague term. I don't like it, but that's, that's essentially what it is, where there are um, stately manors and chateaus in France where... In common language, everyone, that's a castle. Uh, when it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know. Is it, is it though? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, yeah. absolutely. But also by that definition, Neuschwanstein does qualify. It does. Even though, and we'll talk about it when we get to yes, it in a minute. Yes. But um, it's just a, it's just a, a, a fantasy oh, play it, thing, it really, isn't it? It is beautiful. Oh, it is oh. gorgeous. And uh, yeah. I would possibly put it as number one for me for just mm -hmm. purely aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Oh. And it is, it's uh, instrumental. It's uh, been one of the um, primarily referenced um, uh, structures that has inspired the fantasy castle right, aesthetic yeah. that is yeah. adopted in fairy tale and fantasy, as well as uh, late uh, French styles like uh, Pierre de Raffons. Uh, I'm terrible at French pronunciations, but Pierre de Raffons? I think that's it. But that was heavily referenced by uh, Disney in the design of the Disney castle. Same with Neuschwanstein. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so okay. let's kick off the list. Yes. My first pick is uh, probably super obvious. Mm. Um, it's sort of a lot of people's, uh, one of a lot of people's favourite castles. I know it's among your favourites. It's in your list of mm -hmm. top ten. Um, and I thought I'd start the list with sort of a big hitter. Yes. And it is, um, well, sort of a, a castle in the true sense where it's really, it was really for defence. Yes. Uh, anyway, it's the Crack de Chevalier, and I've got a picture up here, uh, in um, Syria. Mm -hmm. It's near Homs, n um, not too far from Aleppo, really. Uh, the Crack de Chevalier, the castle of horsemen, or the castle of knights. The castle of the knights, yep. And, um, and it's, 
apart from anything else, it's giant. I've never been there. Sort it of is obviously. massive. My sister has been there. Right. Well, yes. That's okay. Right. Um, the cracked. It's funny because uh, you're probably pronouncing far better than me because I've always like the cracked chevalier, but cracked chevalier. <laughs> Again, I'm horrible with pronunciation. Um, what's really intriguing about this? It's well, if you were to because I just talked about the loose definition of castle. If you were to try and give a more technical definition of castle, it would be a fortified medieval residence. Uh, and one of the interesting distinctive features that makes castles distinctive to other kind of fortified uh, buildings is that it is a home, a residence. But the Crack de Chevalier uh, is really intriguing because it's actually a castle that falls outside of that definition because it was a fortress for a military order more predominantly than an individual's residence. Mm, and so mm. even on the strict definitions of castle, you have to understand that there's there are exceptions to that. Right, yeah, yes. yeah. So it was garrisoned largely for a long time by the Knights Hospitaller. Yes. Um, it was uh, given by Raymond, Raymond II, mm -hmm. to the Knights Hospitaller. And uh, it really is on a fantastic scale. It's sort of, for me and most people, um, just the quintessential crusader castle. Uh, but in a way, it's sort of, well, it's much bigger and better and more well-preserved than any others. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just sort of something to behold, isn't oh, it? Oh, it's huge. And there um, are... I don't mean to cut you off. I'll no, like, please I'll, do. Oh, because yeah. there are distinctive features that are just fascinating about this castle. Like, see this... Uh, so technically, it's a concentric castle, which is uh, uh, two layers of walls. Uh, sorry, a castle, then a castle. And so it's very well fortified and designed in that sense. And then the outermost wall is also functioning as a type of retaining wall where the internal ground level is on a higher level. Same with the upper level as well. There are so many fascinating things to observe um, mm. about this castle, as well as the style and design of Crusader castles generally. Um, they're actually more squat, and it's hard to kind of pick that out. It's like, squat, this thing looks huge, and it is huge. But you'll actually find, in terms of the levels on the towers, uh, usually around two, two floors at most, uh, and they might push three. And it's because timber was such a rare resource there that they, uh, to get multiple floors, they basically have to do vaulted ceilings on every single level, right. where a lot of intermediate floors on conventional castles, you, you have a corbel with beams and you can have intermediate timber floors. Very hard to do. And so nearly all Crusader mm. castles have very little timber work and they have vaulted ceilings, you know, and as a result, building them high was vastly more challenging. And so they end up being more squat. Right, yeah. Out. So, I mean, it dates from the 12th century. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, after the First Crusade, but quite soon after the First Crusade was built. Uh, one thing to mention about it is that uh, uh, within a 20 or 30 years of it first being built, there was quite a big earthquake, or a very big earthquake, and a lot of it collapsed. Mm -hmm. So they sort of had to start again, sort of, not exactly start again. Mm -hmm. But where you can see the, the walls there uh, on, the inner, on the inner portion, well, that's a picture of... Mm -hmm. um, from, from within. And just something um, to observe. Yeah. See all the, these arches and everything like mm -hmm, that? Mm -hmm. You're seeing stone roofing and everything again because timber being a rare resource. And so mm -hmm. to get the roofs on them, they're all either archways with vaulted ceilings and, uh, and kind of more squat and, and limited in the height. But yeah. And you can see from that picture how mm -hmm. it sort of overlooks the, the, oh, the, yes. the countryside. Commanding picture. Uh, yeah, com yeah. And obviously that, that will be a thing that comes up again and again mm -hmm. uh, in this. Again, that's just a picture from this. Actually, you can see on the left-hand side there, the sloped wall, or the, the, the glacis, mm -hmm. um, that makes it, it sort of uh, not exactly earthquake-proof, 
but it makes it a lot more mm -hmm. resistant, sturdy and resistant. Stable in particular, because that's one of uh, the uh, theories and reasons why castles have this kind of flared base. Because by widening out the base, it increases the footprint mm. of the, the structure to rest upon, which evens out the load on the ground underneath it, which makes it more stable. Yeah, yeah, mm. way more stable. So, I mean, it's remarkable, really, that it's, what, 800-odd years old, mm -hmm. and uh, through thick and thin, it has survived. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love this castle so much that before the Syrian civil war, me and my mm -hmm. older brother were sort of seriously beginning to talk about going to Syria, just yes. to, just yeah. to uh, do sort of a mini tour of castles, mm -hmm. Crusader castles, and obviously that, the Crack de Chevalier would be the highlight. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it, again, if it's not sort of clear to people how gigantic it is, it, there was sort of um, just giant vaulted spaces within mm -hmm. um, to keep to stable thousands of horses, mm -hmm. actually. Um, and it was supposed to, again, fairly obviously, survive extremely long sieges, essentially, which means you need a few deep wells, extremely deep wells, mm -hmm. um, and be, to be able to um, amass lots and lots and lots of food and mm -hmm. fodder for the horses. Yeah. For, you know, potentially you might be besieged for years, a few years, possibly. There are sieges that lasted years and longer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and your eye, the Crack de Chevalier is a monster when it comes to castle sizes, so much so that mm. it kind of throws people off in terms of their understanding because the most prominent and therefore becoming most favoured, and I get that because they're big and grand and amazing, right, are the big castles. So the big castles get all the attention when these giant monster castles are actually more the exception mm. than mm. the norm in standard castle sizes. Um, a lot of castles, and I've had the, the privilege to visit some of them coming to Britain, right, uh, their primary central uh, keep or structure was the size of that one of the outer towers of the Crack de Chevalier. Mm. Um, just look at the size of that tower. That's the size of, or in terms of just the, the kind of footprint of it, of one castle. <laughs> yeah. um, and I really got to uh, notice that when I went to Carnarvon. Um, Carnarvon, and I'm making a video on it, is essentially eight castles in one, or the equivalent, because each tower... Uh, and the type of castle, it's, a, it's what I call a linked um, uh, towered castle where most of its primary buildings are a connection of towers in its outer wall. Um, and uh, you could take any one of those towers and it would be considered the great tower mm -hmm. of an entire castle. Yeah. And I went to like um, uh, uh, Tretower Castle is literally that, just mm -hmm. one of the, like its primary thing is a single grand tower with a wall around it. Right. And, uh, and I love that one because very representative of castle sizes. Um, and, uh, and again, so uh, uh, the crack there is, is a huge beast and it's, and it's glorious as a result. Yeah, it's, there's not really much else like it. Um, yeah, it's an exception to all sorts of rules. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, it, so yeah, if people you know, aren't familiar with castles particularly and they're seeing mm. these images and they think, oh, this is what, medieval castles or early medieval castles like no no this is a one-off freak <laughs> yeah. this is a, like you called it like a monster yeah yes. it's like um, yes. like the the burj khalifa or something it's like yeah not many buildings or there's no real buildings other yeah. than that one that's like that yeah i mean and um, there's only a couple like castles that you could kind of list that are this scale and like malberg is one malberg is one of the castles that has the largest kind of um um uh, it's the largest size in terms of its land mass though the it depends because some people will say, well, well, is it fair to 
because it has a thin wall out of there, but most of the castle is kind of located more in one section. Uh, Kerfili is another, like the, the central castle isn't as big as the Crack de Chevalier, um, but it has an outer kind of wall and motor and system. And so the, the overall ground area mm. of Kerfili is actually quite large as a result. But mm. again, these are the exceptions. Um, yeah. And in terms of just core structures, like if you were to count a castle, less so on the land it's occupying and it has a wall around it, but the core primary castle structures accumulate, like if you were to just even kind of look at it through uh, volume of surface area, floor area, like uh, stuff, it's easily one of the biggest, or if not biggest. Yeah. So a little bit of history on this before we move on. Um, mm. Obviously, uh, 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 Saladin kicked mm -hmm. out most of the Crusaders, but in the 13th century. Mm -hmm. um, and the Crack Chevalier was lost by that point. Um, but of course, uh, it fell into Muslim mm. hands and has mm. been used for all sorts of things. Yeah. A lot of the but, murals were defaced, of course, and other things like that. Yeah, they had, yeah. Yeah. And in recent times, again, in the Syrian Civil War, um, unfortunately, it took a bit of damage. There was some, I don't think they were ISIS, but they were Islamist rebels mm. to the government, used it as um, some sort of garrison or base. <laughs> and the... Um, the Syrian army uh, felt the need to shell it at one point a couple of times, and there's a picture there of where it was shelled, and there was some significant damage, but it wasn't, there was nowhere near destroyed, not remotely, mm. I mean, that was, yeah. but there was a fair bit of damage done to it, unfortunately, mm -hmm. um, not that long ago, um, which is, you know, a crying shame, mm -hmm. um, but there you go. Um, and uh, if and when it becomes possible to go back to Syria, and it's sort of completely safe i would love to go back um the sort of giant sally ports there everything yes. in the correct valley is just on a, a massive scale huge huge um, and there, there are like um basically like tunnels uh running underneath and uh, um castle Karak is, is a bit similar which is another crusader castle and uh there's like these large arch tunnels underneath where entire markets were set up right. yeah, yeah right. they are just vast yeah. vast things and it's just, it's, it's one of those things where it's really, it is on my bucket list. <laughs> I mean, look at the view there. No wonder yeah. it was, because obviously it sits atop a natural uh, mount. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot, not all of them, but a lot of the castles we're going to look at are the same thing. Because the point of it is not only to, it depends what castle and what period mm -hmm. we're talking about. But yes. quite often if it's a real functional castle uh, with a utility, um, not only is it a sort of a defensive position, but it's also mm. sort of a psychological thing yeah, yeah. to imprint on the landscape. We dominate now. Mm. We dominate you. We dominate this. See? Mm -hmm. um, and you can see from the view there that yeah. you know, that's exactly well, what's It's interesting on. how being on a large elevated position is advantageous for the philosophy uh, and conventional wisdom in, in castle design because it's absolutely that. And you're right. A higher up means more difficult it is for siege engines to approach. So it's huge. Like sometimes... There are castles where they're basically impervious to assault by virtue of their position. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, a lot of the Cartha castles, there are a group of castles in, in uh, one of the older borders of France, and then the border moved and their uh, military utility kind of disappeared. But they are on some of the most impressive peaks, and they just look like there'd be no way to assault that. It would be impossible just by its position. And then, of course, it's a lookout. The higher up, the larger view you can see, you can like. You know, get an idea or alert to anyone trying to, like, especially a large army of some type. Yeah, yeah. And so multiple um, benefits from just 
putting it up on putting it up high. One of the great examples of it being um, sort of impregnable is uh, Ravenna, mm-hmm. where the Romans, uh, a lot of the sort of later Roman emperors would sort of retire to the keep at Ravenna. Mm-hmm. Because any army could invade and take the whole of Italy, but yeah. they can't take this keep yeah. at Ravenna. You are safe there, um, simply because of its uh, of the geography. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, there's just sort of a picture of it in its yeah. in its context. Um, sort of a wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that just to sort of reiterate it again, how old it is, sort of eight nine hundred years, um, and sort of how it's still there, despite mm-hmm. earthquakes and endless wars, really and in what sort of good condition it is, because there's many, many castles that are a lot younger than that, are just ruined. Mm, yeah. And so um, the old idea that they don't build them like that anymore, <laughs> they made it when, it, when it was designed and built, it was, you know, obviously built to last. Um, okay, so the next castle I've got on my list is sort of a bit of a personal pick. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, it's a bit obscure. Um, you may not have heard of it. I, I suspect a lot of people won't have heard of it. Um, and it's, I went for the opposite of the Cracks of Radix on a very small scale, small scale. pretty small scale. Um, but I, and I visited it a number of times in my life because it's not too far from where I grew up. Um, and it is uh, a place called Castle Headingham. And it's just a Norman keep. Classic Norman keep. No, no, I have heard of it. Oh, you have yeah. heard oh, of it? Oh, yeah, yeah. And it has one, like, the inside has this beautiful rounded arch down the centre. The biggest arch yeah. in Norman Arch in, in Britain. Mm-hmm. It's bigger than the White Tower. Anything. Really? Yeah, yeah. I see. I didn't survive in one. Yeah. Sorry, but yeah, what a gorgeous kind of representation of the classic Norman keep. For me, it's sort of like the perfect mm-hmm. example. Um, so some people out there will be more or less fans of different styles, different mm-hmm. designs of castle. I love an old school, simple Norman keep. And so Headingham <laughs> is sort of the perfect example of it. Um, the other thing is when you visit there, it's on um, uh, 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 a hill, mm-hmm. sort of a natural hillock. Um, and at the time, uh, again, it dates, uh, it dates from sort of the, the uh, 11th century originally, first started to build it in the 11th century. And then it was uh, finished in the early 12th. Right, yeah, exactly. A, a lot of um, the Norman keeps kind of fall in that range. Yeah. So it was uh, for the De Vere family, the Earls of Oxford, um, sort of people that were on the entourage of William the Conqueror himself. And originally it would have had all sorts of other buildings, would have had a, a, mm-hmm. a, a curtain wall or some yeah. sort of, um, ex- uh, uh, you know, an exterior uh, wall around with all sorts of other buildings. But all of that has long gone. Mm-hmm. So when you go there, it's, it, it really is just that. Just this proud it's, tower it's, standing yeah. right there. So as you yeah, can see there, it's just sort of just on its own. There's a little car park just out of okay. shot there. And so it's sort of... You can really see how thick those walls are. Oh, they yeah. look mm. four metres thick, uh, at least. What a solid building that is. And mm. a, like, a bit like the Cracks Rally, it's mm. a great example of um, how it hasn't... The weather mm. hasn't really damaged it all that much. It's in incredible shape still. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, it's still used in, uh, you can obviously go there and go inside and they've got some pictures in a minute of the interior. And um, it's still used as a venue. You can sort of mm-hmm. hire it out and have meals there or some people get married there and things. Um, and uh, because if you're sort of, um, if you like sort of Norman Keeps, um, it's just pared down to just the, the pure basics. Mm-hmm. And there's not been any sort of Tudor uh, mm. 
add-ons. Yes. Or yes. it hasn't been sort of converted in I, the 18th century. Or you, it's, you can see that just from just the outside. Perfect. Like it has the original Roman style rounded arches. So there's no Gothic arches and there's no larger windows that, yeah, Tudor that they would have added later. It's actually very much still in a, in a classic kind of Norman keep state of the, ah, uh, yeah. And only once was it ever actually besieged, and that was in the early 13th century in the age of King John. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can imagine it's sort of it's nearly impossible to take. Um, there's another. So you can see how clean the, the stonework is. Mm -hmm. And this is a good 900 years old. Yeah. You know, best part of 1,000 years old, and it sort of looks relatively fresh, really. Yeah. I, um, I would be intrigued by something. Because uh, I haven't got, I mean, to see this one in person. Because if, if the stonework is actually pretty nicely fitted and everything like that, it's a good indication that it wasn't actually whitewashed and plastered on the outside like it's, the white towel was. Um, and uh, I would love to confirm that just as a point of reference, because I like to know which castles were whitewashed and which ones were stone uh, to get a balanced idea of, I guess, how prevalent uh, each type was. Because, like, um, um, uh, Oh, yeah, the, the castle left my brain. It happens. <laughs> um, uh, Carnarvon, there we go. So Carnarvon has not only a very precisely fitted kind of dressed stone on the outside, it has different grades of stone to yeah. create patterns and lines yeah. on the outside, which is a good indication that it was never whitewashed because it has this pattern. We'll see that. Yeah, yeah, oh, Carnarvon. Carnarvon is on my list. <laughs> <laughs> not to be confused, confused with Carnarvon. <laughs> I've done that once. Yeah, well, well, I probably would as well because um, I'm bad, bad pronunciation. And some Welsh people got very angry with me <laughs> and accused me of not knowing the difference. And uh, though I do know the difference, because mm -hmm. uh, there is a Carnarvon castle, mm -hmm. a very different thing, but um, my, I just was saying the wrong word. Uh, oh, there you oh, go. There's, there's that, that arch. arch. Now, mm -hmm. that is your classic Norman arch there. Mm -hmm. And of course, there are some big, uh, some other great examples of uh, true early Norman keeps in England. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the White Tower at the Tower of London oh, is one. Yeah, yeah, uh, Rochester is another great one. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're on a larger scale than Headingham, but none of them have got a. Uh, an arch like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So that is truly pretty much a unique. That is gorgeous. A, a unique oh. thing. Yeah. And as you can see, even on the inside, I mean, look at we've it. kept it in very good yeah, condition. The double layers of windows, the central fireplace in between. What, what, what a beautiful room and space that would be. It's sort uh, of perfect. Yeah. For me. <laughs> it's one of those things. I know it's maybe a weird thing to think oh. or say, but mm -hmm. if you found yourself in an Omega Man type situation where suddenly everyone in the world disappeared <laughs> and it was only you left. I think I might set myself up in Headingham Castle, <laughs> just decide to live in Headingham Castle. Why not? Um, uh, again, uh, a couple of childhood memories going there as a child and it's sort of setting my imagination ablaze. Um, Good condition. Love it. Good condition. Oh, incredible. Oh, it's incredible. There's just another shot of the mm -hmm. sort of interior there. Good shot of the plaster that's still surviving on some of the walls yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was ever, if they ever plastered the outside of it. If I had to guess, I'd say no. From memory, yeah. it doesn't look like it, but on the inside, yeah, certainly. you can certainly tell from the yeah, inside. Def definitely um, on the inside. And one way to tell is is how precisely fitted the stonework is on the outside, right. because if um if their intention was to plaster it, uh, the stonework is usually just you know kind of a, a mix mash kind of thing, and you can see that on the white tower actually, where the plaster is because uh, the whitewash is you know weathered away, um, and you can see kind of all right, so there's the dressed up, and there's the stuff that was clearly clearly covered, and so that is one kind of clue. 
the, the one key. thing you can see there there's quite a few levels on the key mm -hmm. you might store there i yes. think there's like four at least um, and on most of them it's just a big sort of central open space in the middle but you can walk round there's like a gallery mm -hmm. all, all the way round yes. Uh, yes where they might have had trooper doors or people mm -hmm. playing well, music or singing and that sort of thing the um, walls are so thick so this is like four to five meters thick and so you can easily fit a meter wide uh hallway uh right around the side and a castle that threw me um that has that on every, nearly every single tower is Carnarvon where it has like a hallway ringing the outside and they've done some really creative things to manage to get in light into the internal rooms that essentially has a hallway around it and so it's like well hang on how do you get windows then on the internal rooms if they're separated from the outer external wall um by the hallway they've done some creative things right yeah but i'll talk about that when we get yeah. to Carnarvon, eh? <laughs> um <laughs> that's just a uh a shove the, the other thing uh, not all of the castles, because um, obviously uh, Crack Chevalier is in, in Syria, mm -hmm. and a few of these are in uh, Germany and France and a few different places, but a lot of them are English ones. And um, a lot of them, why I love them so much is because it's just so sort of quintessentially English. I mean, that picture <laughs> there sort of gives you, gives you a feel for that. And another one there, right nearby, just out of shot to the right there, there is sort of a Georgian-era uh, home, house. But yeah, no nonetheless, it sort of mm. does sit there um just like this great there's a thing out of time almost it really um, is it's like... it's just suddenly mm. there this 900 year old artifact beautiful i love it i love it i don't know how if it that doesn't fire your imagination mm -hmm. i feel like there's something something wrong with you oh uh, yes oh one of my favorite ah oh, oh so yeah. this is uh chateau guard or castle guyard mm -hmm. um and it's overlooking the it's in france mm -hmm. overlooking the seine uh between rouen and paris and it is richard the lionheart the coeur de leon richard the first it's his baby mm -hmm, isn't it it's mm -hmm. his project yep uh, have you been there i've never been no there. i haven't i been would love to, to go there boy. And I, this is such a gorgeous castle there, there, there's so many interesting things about its designs and so it's technically a linked castle on the inside see how the wall is linking to the, the keep there but then it is also a concentric castle because there's an additional wall that is enclosing that first one. And then it is a multi-ward castle where it has multiple baileys or wards where it has a separate ward or bailey actually separated from the, um, the primary one that you need to get access to through a bridge that you go through this first one. And so in terms of the layers of defense in this principle of defensive uh, you know, um, uh, theory and castle design, Goyard is just amazing. Mm. Yeah, mm. I, and all the siege that the French had to go through to try and take this. Oh, it, <laughs> so one of the things I would say about it is that um, it was thought of as impregnable and then it was taken quite quickly, actually, <laughs> in reality. Um, but so, they so were this very is... committed to take all it. Right. And so when you're well, like, because castles are a force multiplier, but if you throw enough men at it and enough resources, essentially any castle can be taken. Yeah, yeah. But Right. The whole purpose of it is to make it as difficult as possible. And, and so it depends, on the, again, on the scale. There, there's a certain scale that a castle can, depending on the amount of defenders, it can withstand quite a lot um, uh, and even repel attacks com completely just on its own defences. But the core thing about, you know, uh, a besiege, if they can just, if they are not forced to have to assault it, it's a waiting game. Mm. And, uh, mm. and then castles become a delaying tactic, very effective delaying tactic. And sometimes the resources in the castle outlast the besiegers. 
uh, or uh, one of the other ways is that um, uh, uh, the defenders of the land are able to rally enough men to actually then rebuff the, uh, the invasion. Um, and so, yeah, it's all levels and everything, but yeah, if you throw enough and you're, you know, determined enough, you'll, you'll take even the really mm. good ones. Yeah, I've heard it said um, that, I mean, there's a few, uh, a small number of classes, but a few sort of later faults, star faults, mm -hmm. that were never taken. Mm -hmm. But most military strategists say that, yeah, there's no position that could not be taken if enough time and effort mm -hmm. and blood was spent on yes. it. Yeah. Um, and then particularly when you get into the Napoleonic era, 19th century, 20th century, when you have giant artillery pieces, mm -hmm. the war between artillery and walls, the walls yeah. lose. Yes, yes they it, do. It, right, so, yeah. so but, but nevertheless, back in the medieval period, so again, this was um, built in the very end, towards the very end of the 12th century, mm -hmm. finished, I think, in about the very beginning of the 13th century and then taken. So one thing to say is that you can see from this picture, it sort of overlooks, I think it might have a better picture that even gives you an even better view. So that's the same and it overlooks, uh, there's like a, a sheer cliff really that it sits on top of. Mm -hmm. um, and Richard the Lionheart had come back from the Third Crusade and was of course uh, something of a, a master of knowing what's good in castle design having lived lived it and so he designed what he thought would be the perfect castle mm -hmm. for defensive reasons and quite as you say there's three or four sort of layers to the onion mm -hmm. and uh, he thought it's on this perfect position um i've got all these things in place all the newest designs of the late 12th century it, it could could not be taken but in the end the french king uh, philippe august um did throw a lot of time and energy and money and mm. lives at it oh, and yeah. through a combination of undermining yeah there was sapping and involved and and he had to take like sections at a time and one of the uh they don't know if this is true or not but one of the claims is that they're able to get into so they took the first most out of bailey and to get into the next kind of layer was uh, someone actually snuck in either through the church or a privy <laughs> right yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah was, that, that. That, that to actually take that next layer was uh, um a, a bit of sneak sneaking in and opening up uh and and there is a lot involved like at one point and this is one of the heartbreaking things is like the people from the village uh ran to the castle to try and gain protection but the castle had limited resources and so the castle wouldn't let anyone in and then they tried to escape and then the french would shoot on them because they wanted to force the castle the castle occupants to take the villages in and they were trapped in the middle mm. just to die yeah it's horrifying and so, oh gosh. That actually, mm. that exact mm. scenario um, is really common. It's really common. There's <sighs> loads and loads of sieges where exactly that mm. happens. The people in the castle don't want to accept the civilians because it's mm. just more mouths to yes. feed. Yes, they'll just starve. Or, or, yeah. And so they're trapped in no man's land where they mm. die of exposure or hunger. Mm -hmm. um, it's, that's really, really, yeah. really common. And, and even. Like before a siege, a castle is known to expel unneeded people, like mm. servants and everything. No, no, just the soldiers remaining. Um, and if they have an opportunity to escape before the actual siege, good. But if they, they can get trapped in between, like what happened in this siege, and it's, it's an awful situation. One of the things you mentioned, oh, that's a, a mock-up yeah. of what it would have looked like. Because it's actually heavily mm. ruined, isn't it? Yes, it yes. But um, you, you can see the uh, indication of some of the largest matriculations on the central keep. Um, and that's uh, one of my favorite features mm -hmm. of Goyard. Yeah. So a lot of things to say here is that 
you can see there's sort of crenellations and there's uh, sort of the curtain walls are buttressed. Yeah, there's mm -hmm. all sorts of things going on there which were cutting edge at the end of the 12th century. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it would have been layers, fantastic it, to see in, oh, in, yes, its, in its yes. day. Uh, because when the French got in, they decided it, it wasn't in the French king's interest to sort of allow it to stand. So <laughs> it was, it, today it is sort of very mm. heavily ruined, really. It's not much more than ruins. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to visit it. Again, it's sort of quite high yes. up on my bucket list of castles to see. Um, I mean, one quick thing I'll say about it is um, Gaillard, the word Gaillard apparently means sort of Saucy, isn't it? Or, well, well or... like brave or proud, yes, but like with it. a connotation mm. of being, um, yeah, something like that. Yeah. I heard one guy say it would be like if you had um, a, a sort of a very proud animal, like a bull or a mm. lion, mm -hmm. that is sort of sticking its chest down, it's proud of its mm -hmm. own, uh, of its own majesty, yes. of its own power, almost, um, almost sort of daring you mm -hmm. to take it on. <laughs> That's yeah, the connotations yeah. of that word. So, because Richard built it very close to the the the, <laughs> the, the frontiers mm -hmm. of the French king's land, sort of within sight of a of a French castle. <laughs> so it's very much like yeah, he was yeah, um, goading him, yeah, mm. a direct challenge. Um, he uh, Philip Auguste said he could take it no matter what, and Richard said. He couldn't take it even if the walls were made of butter or something like that. There's a good story. So, yeah, again, this is probably really mm. high up on a history, on a, a castle mm. buffs list. Yeah. Wasn't it Most people pick this one. Oh, yeah. Wasn't it taken during John's reign? Um, yeah, it was in the very, yeah, it was, mm. I can't remember exactly, but it was like 1204 or 1205 mm. or something like that. It was, it was taken. And yeah. it, well, it was in a very strategic position for, because the French, for the French to actually push further into, the, you know, take Normandy and stuff like that. They had to get past that. That mm. was a, a, right. put it on a kind of a linchpin position, yeah. um, and then you know with a great with a great job John did. He he uh, didn't focus on protecting <laughs> his holdings over in France. As you mentioned, there was a few because where Richard thought he designed this perfect mm. impregnable castle, there were actually a few issues with it. Mm. Like for example, one when you attack one of the inner sanctums, you can actually use one of its own drawbridges as a, <laughs> as a, as a or you could yep. climb up through some sort of privy port, yep. which he didn't, he obviously didn't figure mm -hmm. was possible, but it was. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like no position is completely 100% safe. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if there's any, there's yeah, just I'll another picture. That. You can see but, how heavily ruined it is actually yes. from that one, can't but you? See those kind of, Odd, uh, um, uh, I, there's it's an inset into the wall, and you see these angular things those in the, are, on the central keep. Yeah, the central yeah. keep. So yeah. yeah, those are the uh, supports for the matriculations above it. Big ones, gosh, and that's that's a unique design. Like I have never seen any other castle with that feature, um, uh, uh, with like just giant matriculations all around it. Apparently, they would do wooden ones. Hoardings, yes, right. And so Gaia was one of the first places to sort of make it out of stone. I think they were doing it on a small scale in in Ultramar, in in the Levant, in the Holy Land, and it was in, this was the first time they did it so, in France. Is that the case? That's is actually that... a misconception, oh, okay. but it's a common one, mind you. Okay, and it's an old one. Believe it or not, um, Lawrence of Arabia, the classic guy. All right, um, he actually travelled, and I've got his book. He travelled to uh, uh, the, the Holy Land to study Crusader castles with the intent to debunk that myth about oh. um, that Europeans gained a lot of um, uh, 
architectural castle building knowledge from the Holy Land um, and brought them back to uh, uh, Europe. And he actually confirmed that, no, no, see this design? This is, uh, this is a design that we can date is earlier found in France, here, there, or there. And in terms of machicolations, right, the philosophy absolutely is earlier found in the wooden hoardings, which is basically the serving the function of machicolations, but in timber. And we see um, depictions of hoardings on the Bayeux Tapestry. Uh, and so these things okay. date back quite far. Right. Yeah. And there are examples of machicolations uh, in Europe, uh, well predating the Crusades. Right. Um, and, okay. and one of the early types of machicolations is something that... In timber. What, uh, in timber, yes, but, right. but in stone, one of the early types of stone machicolations is called a slot machicolation. Not many people know what they are. Right. And I, I've got a video coming out because oh, okay. there uh, are... Yeah, um, uh, there's slot machicolations on uh, Chepstow and Carefilly, and, uh, and they're really intriguing. And so they're basically long, flat machicolations that are, that are above a, a gatehouse usually. Uh, but one of the earlier indications it finds of stop matriculations is on a really old building. I've got the, I've got the paper on it um, on my computer, so I can't remember the details. But yeah, like it turns I, out... I take it they're not on the scale of Guyard, or are they? Stop matriculations are actually quite big, okay. quite, quite long. Because they're big, but not on the scale. Not, yeah, yeah. Big. So those ones have really big supports that are going down, and they're kind of tapering up to what would be the archway um, above it. Uh, and so, but slot machicolations are a, a kind of different design, but they serve the, the function of what a machicolation is. Um, really, really in, intriguing. Um, really, really cool. And so what, what's also fascinating about when you look at Crusader castles, there are, two, there are two kind of states of castle development in the Middle East. And one is the first kind of Byzantium, uh, Byzantine fortress kind of settlement of the area where a lot of fortresses had uh, Byzantine origins. And, uh, and they're very uh, Romanesque more in terms of the design, very square um, uh, and, and with a crenellated top and, and things. Uh, but when the Crusades came down, they uh, actually renovated and built on top of a lot of these locations mm. within the European, um, uh, in the European style. And they actually brought that technology to the Middle East and built them on a lot of Crusader castles as a result. And, uh, and it's just fascinating how, yeah, that, that there's an idea that then they they got these things and brought them back. Well, no, they actually brought them over there. Mm. Yeah. Funny how that goes, isn't it? Yeah. I am. Um, I actually also am aware of, I'm a big fan of T.E. Lawrence, Lawrence yeah. of Arabia. Yeah. I, th I believe that was his undergrad dissertation, wasn't well, it? Well, I, I, I believe so. It might and have he been. Got, he, got a, mm -hmm. he got a first yeah. from Oxford for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, a and a special award. Yeah. That even the professors were like, this, not only is this a first, <laughs> this is one of the best things I've ever read. Yeah. Because he has a book where it is literally his notes and it's got like drawings of, of the castles he visits just going all through there. And, uh, and when I wanted to study Crusader, Crusader castles, I actually grabbed that out and had a look through. And, and his, his thing is, is basically proving his theory or hypothesis that, no, 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 a lot of these designs were brought over into the Middle East from Europe. Yeah. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. there, there was some special dinner was put on in, in, in honour of him and his undergrad dissertation. <laughs> like, unheard of. <laughs> Incredible. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there's another picture of that. You can see actually how steep the position is. Even that, I think, doesn't really do it justice. Mm -hmm. How much the position at Chateau Guard sort of overlooks. Yes. Um, it really dominates the whole mm -hmm. area, like even more than something like Cractus Valley does. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. it's it's pretty much on a cliff oh. which we're not really getting you, there but... you should look up some Katha castles like, like if you like on almost on mountain peaks mm. it's just mm. uh, it blows your mind well one of the things i've got to say at this point is yeah. there's so many that i yes. couldn't get on this list <laughs> uh, it's, it's quite often if you try and make a list of your top 10 favorite films your top 10 favorite mm -hmm. songs quite quickly you realize oh i've got to abandon 50 of my favorite songs yeah. 50 of my favorite films to cut it down to 10 and there's so many yeah. I was like, oh no i can't get that one on the list i can't <laughs> get that one lots of them that i love are yeah things from sort of the middle east or um there's like some rock fortresses mm -hmm. in central asia oh yeah, yeah, yeah um where they're sort again kind of unbelievable mm -hmm. that something was built there there's um yeah, there's some from the, an the ancient world where it's not much more than a footprint left. Yeah. It's truly ruined, but still, um, well, anyway, we'll mm -hmm. move on. There's so many that uh, just couldn't make it on the list. Yeah. So there is, I think oh, that's, that's a wonderful gross. picture there. It really is. And you can see how much of mm -hmm. uh, sort of the outer, uh, the outer portions are gone. Mm -hmm. Absolutely gone. Um, and they, that actually gives you quite a good idea of how yes, high up it stands. Look at the peak on that kind of. And uh, in the sort of foreground of that picture is sort of the, the plateau that you could attack it from. Because from the other side, uh, yeah, you yeah. Just, there's, no, there's no way. You, can't, mm -hmm. you cannot attack it. So it only could ever be attacked from one side. <laughs> um, let's see the next one. There we ah, go. Ah, yes. The Neuschwanstein. Yep. Neuschwanstein. So this is a 19th century castle. Mm -hmm. And you might be able to argue that it's not even a castle. Well, a I, true castle. Yeah, it depends. What what I, cause I would never say it's not a castle because right. of how the, yeah. the term it, uh, has expanded. Uh, but as to if, if you were to say, is there such thing as like a true castle? Because the core kind of concept of a castle is something for defense. This thing isn't built for defense. No, right. Uh, yeah. In yeah. actual fact, there's a lot of defensive weaknesses that uh, subvert its whole, the whole purpose. Yeah. And so in that sense, you could, yeah, that you could argue that it's not a true castle. Uh, because a true castle should be a fortified building. Um, but in, in the sense of, you know, the evolution of castle, it's definitely a castle. Right. It's a, it's a yeah. gorgeous one. It, it, it has this rom romantic kind of um, dreamy atmosphere that just invokes the imagination. I love it. I love yeah. it. I, for me, I think it's, well, it's, for me, it's my second favorite castle in terms of just what it looks like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um my favorite one is my last pick oh um yes. but yeah it's like a a, a, a dream isn't mm -hmm. it it's like mm -hmm. a, a fancy but that was the point of it so i mentioned yeah. it's from the 19th century from sort of the mid or even late 19th century built in the 1860s through to 70s i think finished in the 1880s or even early 1890s something like that mm -hmm. uh for king ludwig ii of bavaria who was the constitutional king he wasn't even sort of a true <laughs> a true sort of autocratic style king in the old sense he actually went mad he was, and he, he had, a, had a very interesting demise as well yeah, yeah. he just turned up dead <laughs> so, um, it sounds like an assassination to me it's just yeah. uh, mm. people say it's a mystery it's like mm. no he was obviously murdered <laughs> to me <laughs> um, um but one thing to say if anyone know, uh, has ever seen the Dick Van Dyke film Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh yes, it is the castle yes. in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Mm -hmm. um, well, Disney loved this castle. Yeah, was one you can of the see it's sort of yeah, the yeah, Disney exactly. castle is sort of based on it, isn't it's it? It's one of the I mean, principal inspirations. Yeah, one of the yeah. principal inspirations for the Disney castle. That with late French ones with a specific focus on uh, um, Pierre Derafond. 
and I'm probably still butchering that pronunciation, but if you look at the outer walls and the types of towers, that's definitely Pierre Derefonds or late, late French um, uh, castle design. Uh, but this is the core, like, inspiration, and it is gorgeous. Uh, you can see that it's sort of built on this sort of a, 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 a mountain ridge mm -hmm. that it was built on, um, and Ludwig grew up in another castle fairly nearby, I mean, within sight, really, of it. And um, and there was sort of some small, I think, truly medieval, couple of very very small medieval castles, buildings on the site. And he decided to get rid of all that <laughs> and build this this giant pile on top of it. And um, yeah, so it's not as you say. I would definitely cast it as a castle, mm -hmm. but it's not a defensive position. Mm -hmm. It was never meant to be anything like that. It is sort of just born out of his imagination mm -hmm. that he wanted this fairy tale thing. And well, that's what he got. Yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't quite finished upon his death, uh, but nowadays, sort of, as you can imagine, it's just sort of a great um, tourist location. I think a few million people go and visit it every year. Yeah, and, and I would love to visit it. It's another one I haven't actually been to. It, it's literally a work of art. Yeah, it's one of those buildings that yeah. is yeah. a grand work of art, which is just a delight to look and visit. Um, and I would love to visit. Yeah, apparently it's quite remote. I don't mm -hmm. think there's a big city nearby or anything. You have to sort of really want it. <laughs> a bit like the Cracks Valley, you have yeah. to sort of really, really want to go there and spend a lot of time and energy. And of course, the landscape it's set in oh, itself look at those mountains. is... Yeah. is right, Bava the Bavarian mountains. Um, I mean, picturesque doesn't really do it justice, mm -hmm. does it? Um, uh, if I was to make a, a list of my favorite fantasy castles, because I think I want to do videos that are kind of subcategories of it, this would be on the list right. in oh, terms yeah. of fantasy or fairy tale kind of castles that are not necessarily in the medieval period, but that because that includes there's some other ones that are built after, which are just because with the perspective we have in the modern day, we can incorporate a lot of different things, and so there are some later castles built in the kind of a neo gothic gothic revival style and. Oh, wow, they could be incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the thing, another thing to mention about Ludwig II was that he commissioned quite a few castles like this, not, none mm. as spectacular uh, and as sort of wonderful as this, but very nearly. Yeah. And he sort of um, spent all his money on them. <laughs> well, um, people weren't happy with him doing he, it he, either. He bankrupted <laughs> himself and Bavaria to some degree on these various castles. But, I mean, could it be in a more spectacular spot? <laughs> um, and one thing to say about Neutralstein is, it, um, is I'm, I'm given to understand, mm -hmm. it sort of constantly has to be renovated. I mean, a lot of these things do, but it really is, if they don't constantly make mm -hmm. sure um, that everything's just right, it will basically fall down. Because really? It's, I did yeah, not know that. Because um, it's on such a precarious spot, mm -hmm. and apparently the weather, mm -hmm. uh, there's sort of extremes of weather, Oh, well, and there it, it would just, be, yes. Right. Um, and so, you know, um, if, a few, if a few key things rot and uh, are corrupted and fall down, it's like a house of cards a mm -hmm. bit. And so mm -hmm. I think the German estates spend quite a bit of money sort of basically constantly renovating it to make sure it sort of stays there. But again, it's sort of, there's no other parallel to Neuschwanstein. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really like, um, musicals as a general rule 
but Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is an exception. Again, I think it's from childhood. Oh, yeah, I love Chitty uh, Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah. Uh, if it's on TV, mm-hmm. that's the next couple of hours for me sorted. <laughs> I will sit down and watch it. And uh, the other the thing is. The interior, say, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. A lot of these places, we're not even really going to look at the interior because it is interesting, mm. it is nice, mm. but it's not going to blow your mind. Mm. Whereas Neuschwanstein, no wonder it bankrupted the Kingdom of Bavaria <laughs> because, I mean, it's more elaborate and fantasy-like than the interior they show you in the film Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which is itself a soundstage created out of someone's imagination in Hollywood. Mm. But the real thing is is even more incredible, if anything. Like, look at that. Um, Yeah, that is amazing, though. There are some castles that have some really incredible interiors, and uh, Castle Koch is one of those. That is like... um, And there are elements that are actually quite accurate medieval, but it would be the most grand, spectacular level of kind of more late medieval um, castle interior that you could find historically. So it shouldn't be considered representative of all castle interiors, but it gets nearly to that level, but with more medieval authentic kind of design features. And it's, it's stunning. Oh, look at that. Yeah. I mean, one of the, th- one of the things to say about the interior of Norshenstein is because it, it was the second half of the 19th century, he actually had installed sort of things that ran hot water <laughs> and I think very, very early versions of electric lights. Uh, and um, even um, e- uh, very, very early proto designs of um, mm-hmm. elevators and things, um, sort of massive dumbwaiter type. Oh, yes. And, yep. and just strange, odd quirks of design. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, I think he insisted on having some portion of it with a, a steel frame because it was getting too heavy for just stone. <laughs> so he wanted to use a steel frame, which was quite not new for yeah, the late yeah. 19th century, but. They weren't doing that in the 14th century, well, that's very right? True, so, yes. yeah. um, in all sorts of ways, it was sort of also cutting edge, as well as being mm. just a flight of fancy, <laughs> it was also cutting edge. Um, but it's one of those places, I've been to Versailles, which isn't on this list, mm-hmm. um, and some of the interiors in Versailles are sort of mind-blowing. Yeah. You sort of go in and <laughs> can't believe this is real. Um, and yeah. uh, I think Neuschwanstein, which again, I've never been to, but from the pictures, mm-hmm. It seems like you've stepped into a, a dream. Yeah. And it's something. just, it's a work of art. Every, yeah. every single part of it is yeah. a, uh, a testament to art, human artistic achievement, honestly. Yeah. No, absolutely. Let's see. I think that's another interior. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. The, the amount of money that was spent just oh, yes. absurd, really. And there you can see yeah. it again in its setting. Funny. Almost from every angle, mm. it's wonderful, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, any angle you like. There you go. I think that's the last one for this. That if you didn't see the paraglider, you'd think, well, that's a, that's a drawing of it, isn't it? <laughs> that is too perfect. Mm-hmm. But no, that's an actual photograph. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move on. I think the next one's the next one. Uh, ah, yes, Carnarvon. So just very quickly to reiterate, there's uh, Carnarvon, mm-hmm. which is this one, and then there's Carmarthen. <laughs> which is a whole different place in Wales, whole mm-hmm. different spelling. There's a big Brilliant castle there, mm-hmm. but it's not on the scale of Carmarthen. Mm-hmm. And um, so, this is my favourite. This is my pick mm-hmm. for Welsh castles. Mm-hmm. Um, and you went there very recently, is it? In the very last few recently, days. Recently, yes. And so uh, you, you tell me about it. Oh wow! What what an amazing castle! And there are things about it that are you wouldn't expect. And so, like I mentioned before, each one of these towers are, are the size of a grand tower of a singular castle. And right. so, if you count them all. There is seven of them, but then if you count the size of the um, primary entrance, I think it's the uh, 
Kingsgate, or I forget the mix up. There's a Kingsgate and Queensgate. Um, but if you count that, which also has the internal room of what our, our Grand Keep would have on a regular sized castle, it's basically eight castles in one. Uh, something that I was not actually uh, aware of. So you see these arrow slits on the towers, but you also see arrow slits along the wall. I kind of thought, okay, there must be uh, um, uh, a walkway behind it or some, something like that. But what actually is, it's a hallway inside the wall itself. And that hallway runs along the walls, reaches the towers, then goes rings around the tower with it, and then runs a wall. And so there's a continual hallway that you can follow through throughout the entire, you know, um, uh, circumference or, or, you know, border of the castle. And it's a fascinating, odd design, because what that means is it basically gives two um, layers of defensive kind of walkways, one internal and one above it where the battlement is. And so that doubles the defensive kind of um, arrow loops that you have. What's really intriguing about the towers then, you have a hallway that's coming around the tower and that would usually lock off the central room from having any access to light or windows. And there's a number of rooms that are basically just storerooms. There's one room, a tower that's called the Granary Tower, basically. It's like, well, they must have stored food there um, because there's no light. But on the rooms where they want light, they actually have a mirroring window opening that exactly mirrors the arrow slit. And you're going through the hallway and you'll see there's, a, there's an arrow slit letting in light here. And then on the opposite side of the hallway, there's a window into the internal room to let light travel through all the way. And it's a consistent thing for all the rooms that they want internal light on. And uh, what an intriguing design. I'd never come across it. And I didn't predict it. I, th I thought these arrow slits were just um, the arrow the arrow slits to the internal room. I wasn't expecting that there was a hallway um, making a gap in between. And so that was just really fascinating to see and observe and experience in real life going through around it. And then of course, something that's really interesting with Carnarvon is all the turrets, these smaller towers sticking up on, on the castle. And uh, they're bigger than you expect. Like I, I was standing on them and you can actually probably fit up to five arches on these turrets quite comfortably. And uh, they give quite like a really commanding field of view on top of them. So these are, these are defensive turrets that give a higher field, uh, like a greater field of fire for the archers and a greater view as well. And so there's a reason why they're put on there. And these turrets are the functional versions of the later aesthetic style turrets. So if you saw a Neuschwanstein on its main central kind of building, has those two little um, pointed tower-like things on the corners, that's the aesthetic evolution of what we're looking at here of the practical <clears throat> military mm. turrets that we see on the towers themselves yeah the real deal mm -hmm. so you can see the scale of Carmarthen mm -hmm. it's not quite cracked to rally but it's, it's absolutely it's, getting it's there it's huge I look, yeah, at, it's look giant. at the people yeah, and right, look yeah. at the size of these towers gives you some scale yes. it, it is gigantic isn't huge. it this is a monster castle and where yeah. you mentioned sort of the utility of it I tried to do a bit of a juxtaposition here where he went from, from Cractus Valley to Headingham. <laughs> and, you know, we'll go from um, Neuschwanstein, a plaything, mm -hmm. to Carmarthen, the real deal. Real so deal. So this is like, this is, this is Edward I. This is mm. Longshanks. Longshanks, The yep. hammer of the Scots. He what? really hammered the Welsh more than he hammered oh, the Scots. Oh, yeah, and he wanted to make um, sure the Welsh would be kept in line. So that's what this is. Mm -hmm. This is like, no, I'm going to cast a shadow of my hand over Wales. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stamp you down and really annihilate your ability <laughs> to be independent again, which mm -hmm. was, at least in his lifetime and a while after, was successful. Mm -hmm. um, of course, there were Welsh revolts hundreds, still for hundreds and hundreds of years. Nevertheless, 
a string mm. of castles mm. throughout Wales, of which Carmarthen is sort of, well, it's one of the main ones. And in terms of what has survived to us, it's sort of the best one. It's why I've picked it. It's yeah. why it's on my list. Why it will, will, will be on a lot of people's lists because it's so well preserved. It is. And it's so massive. Oh, it, and again, huge. it's the real deal. So mm. just one last thing before I let you speak. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> just to put it in uh, its historical context. Finished in about 1330, mm -hmm. so very early 14th century. Um, can you get more of a perfect medieval castle? It's hard to. I, I, so many castles had their different designs and features, and so it's hard to try and scale. Like you know, which would be better? But in its own individual context, Carnarvon is done so well. I, 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 as I mentioned, the walls have a double layer of defense because of these hallways that run, and the hallways are just lined with arrows, like just all all along. And uh, the towers are, are seriously imposing because they have those lines of arrow slits on the thing with the battlement and stuff. And then, like, look, that, this tower has three huge turrets just sticking up right there as just positions to load up archers and. It was never taken, was it? The Welsh never, no, the Welsh so. never were able yeah. to. I don't think they even particularly tried. Yeah. I think it's one of those examples of a castle where oh, yeah. they, it was never the, a serious attempt was never even tried mm. on it. Oh, and you I can think. see the, see the different um, yeah. types of stonework there, right. and they're, they're creating lines and, and a pattern on the outside. That's done intentionally. Yeah. You don't do that if you're planning to cover it all up with you know plaster and whitewash. Uh, and so Carnarvon very much was a stone castle to be and a, and it would have looked even more immaculate in its period when it was built because that stone would have been because it's weathered now but that would have been originally pretty darn smooth and well fitted um and it would have looked incredible quick word on that um is uh in, at constantinople the walls of theodosius um, yeah, there's, yes, there's, yes. there's um there's this striped mm -hmm. motif going on there and uh where longchanks himself had been out on crusade and uh, came back and had that in mind and mm. asked his architects, can we, can we mirror that? Can we um, <laughs> rip that off, essentially? Uh, to, and there's more to it than simply he liked the look of it. Yes. It's sort of to say we are as powerful, we are as much of an imperial presence mm. as the Eastern Roman Empire. Yes. That's yes. the level of... Um, sort of dignity and imperium <laughs> you, you Welsh rebels are dealing with. Yes. See, you can see, don't, you know, don't really think about trying to rebel anymore mm -hmm. because this, this is a sort of castle builder you're up against. Yeah. It, well, you can, it, it's, it's imposing, isn't yeah. it? And there's another shot of the interior. Something that, that uh, I, I only discovered when I went there in person. So um, on the towers, most towers have a turret sitting on top of it except for the case where there's the one with three. But on the ones with these one um, towers, right, they're actually directly in line with the main spiral stairwell of that tower. Right. And so that's the primary stairwell to go up and down. And what they did, they just continued it up after they reached the top of the tower, and that's where the turret comes out. And right. so it's actually a joint, consistent stairwell all the way through, right up to the very top of the turret. This gives you, I think, quite a good idea of what you were talking about mm -hmm. there, where... The, 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 the wall itself is the castle. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, um, exactly. Because in older ones, you know, you've quite often maybe got an inner keep mm -hmm. with a curtain wall and then a bit and then yes. more and more layers. Mm -hmm. Whereas this is just one, the thickest possible yeah. wall 
which is, which, as you say, is the castle itself, which is more like eight castles in one. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's formidable, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's it, formidable. It's really impressive. And you're right. So the, um, uh, the kind of um, uh, Norman keep with a central you know, thing, uh, yeah, I call that an enclosed castle because it's fully enclosed by an outer wall. And this is a type of linked castle. So a linked castle is usually when you have a tower linked to the wall itself. But then this is a subtype of linked castle, which is called a towered castle, right. where it's basically just tower, wall to tower, wall to tower, and that's how you get the, the outer wall connected. And then, of course, there are other kind of buildings that are attached to the uh, inside part of the wall. Um, but look at that from the outside. It's just... Yeah. Uh, oh, and the other really interesting thing to observe, um, the uh, internal ground level is higher than the external one. And so this wall mm. is actually functioning as somewhat of a retaining wall where the internal mm. ground level, it's holding the soil in and therefore the outer walls are much, much higher because than, the than they are when you're standing on the inside. So uh, just for another layer of sort of, uh, defen- uh, for defensive purposes. Well, well, much easier to get to the top of the walls from the inside because right. you're already on a right. higher elevation. Right. Right. But from the outside, the walls are sometimes twice as high from the ground level uh, and it, like uh, standing there. You're looking up, it's like, this thing is tall. <laughs> but then when you're in the inside, you're like, oh, wow, it's a, it's a different perspective. There's one more thing that would make it difficult to attack. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for me, I think when something like Neuschwanstein is like your classic fairy tale Disney type castle, mm-hmm. this is for me more, a bit more like your classic early Middle Ages mm-hmm. uh, real castle, yeah, if you know I, what I mean. I don't, it's a, um, yeah, this is a military fortress military right. like, oh, that's that's a perfect yeah. way of saying it actually mm. yeah. it's a military position yes all uh, right a little mm-hmm. bit like practice chevalier yeah um it's meant to with uh withstand sieges mm-hmm. that could last years it never needed mm-hmm. to you can actually, actually so see the uh, gate the gate on the, yeah. uh, the far side here see how it's coming out that's actually the internal ground level at that part of the castle that's much higher that much 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 higher, much higher. yeah that's not a you know, wow. Yeah, that's significant, isn't it? Yeah. So you you're not going upstairs. Like there, there there are layers of of increase in types of elevation as it comes towards this end, and when you reach this end, uh, that's ground level. Oh yeah, on the interior mm-hmm. you can see the yeah, sort of the, steps. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Step, basically yes. Steps. Mm-hmm. So by the time you get there, that right. Yeah. That's how much yeah high the internal ground level is. Can yeah, imagine so. in the 14th century when there were um, mm-hmm. there were cannon. But they were very early Your forms way. of cannon. Yeah. There's nothing like siege mortars, mm-hmm. nothing like that. So you're not getting in. If they don't want you to get in, you're not getting in. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> that's also, also the misconceptions about trebuchets. People always, when they think of trebuchet, they think of war wolf, something massive. I know that. That was an exception, okay? Mm. Like, war wolf is, is a monster trebuchet. Most trebuchets were not even half the size and they would not have the capacity to throw boulders that would demolish something like this, yeah. okay? You could probably uh, damage some of the battlements, crenellations up the top uh, with, with the standard size trebuchets, uh, throw things over the wall, but you're not knocking down a wall. I am one of those people who um, don't put a great deal of story in uh, medieval or ancient catapults and, and mm-hmm. well, ancient catapults and medieval trebuchets. Mm-hmm. I don't think they did a great deal. So, for example, something like Cracked Valley, I know that's mm-hmm. a, a, a giant thing, but no trebuchet is doing anything. <laughs> it's not doing anything to the Cracked Valley. 
uh, a 14th century trebuchet is not doing anything to Carmarthen. Yes, yeah. Right? And that, that's what I mean. Like, like Warwolf, the trebuchet and all, it was Longshanks to build it, was a monster. And that yeah, could right. be effective against smaller, conventional-sized castle. And when Warwolf was built, I forget the castle was besieging the Scottish one, they just surrendered flat out. Yeah, they right. didn't, uh, they didn't yeah. even want to face it. And then he's like, oh, yeah, I'll accept your surrender. But I don't want to waste building it, so they <laughs> use it anyway and, uh, and <laughs> lob things at the castle. Um, but you, you're absolutely right. And by the way, like your skepticism of catapults, the mangonels, I imagine you're, yeah, yeah, they're mostly a misconception in terms of being utilized in medieval warfare. People think that it's a staple. Like, first of all, catapult is a term in medieval um, uh, description and everything that often is just referring to trebuchets. Catapult is actually a broad umbrella term that means. It, you know, mechanical engines types that throw things mm, and trebuchet mm, mm, mm. is one of those types as a mangonel. Um, and so people misidentify when they see catapult thinking mangonel, when oftentimes the catapult was just referring to a trebuchet. Mm -hmm. The primary siege, you know, device to throw stuff was catapult and mangonels were actually much smaller, about yay big, more Roman use, honestly. Mm, and I, I am var I'm very skeptical about the utility in actual medieval warfare because mm, they only throw things about this big, not mm. very far. Mm. Uh, and, and compared to a trebuchet, the range is night and day. Oh my God, mm. so it's really, really different. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'd, useless against a castle, basically. What about the idea that <clears throat> things like um, ancient um, mangonels or catapults or even medieval, big, even big medieval trebuchets, it wasn't necessarily for throwing a stone to knock down a wall. It was for throwing other things, potentially. Yeah, yeah there's the uh, whole theory of deceased cows and or corpses with... Certain, yeah, yeah, so like um, early biological warfare is probably overstating it, mm -hmm. but just maybe psychological warfare. You can yeah. throw the heads of, the ca of captured men. Well, there's uh, that. Various things you can but, do. But also, even throwing large rocks, right, even if you're not going to be demolishing a wall, imagine being inside the castle with a constant... Kabang! With a right. big rock hitting the yeah, wall all yeah. through the night, yeah. and uh, to the point where you can't sleep. And so there is a psychological effect of just keep throwing things. And and if you are on top of the wall and they get a lucky shot, like <laughs> that will take someone out. Yeah. And the psychological thing for your own side. So mm. even up to even in World War One and things, quite often mm -hmm. you might get a, a, an artillery piece, mm -hmm. um, and it's not really doing much. But your side feel great because you've got a heavy gun and the yeah, other side yeah, haven't. Yeah. It's not really doing anything. You're throwing but something at them. Yeah, the loud yeah, bang. Yes. Like, in fact, I think of Seven Pillars of Wisdom, Lawrence of Arabia. Once or twice they were able to get sort of a French, um, like, uh, or they'll capture a Krupp gun or something, mm -hmm. or the, the French would bring an artillery piece. It wasn't really doing anything. But the Arabs, the Bedouin, mm -hmm. their morale, their esprit de corps went through the roof. Because suddenly they've got a thing that goes bang. Yeah. <laughs> it's as simple as that. If yeah. you've got a giant trebuchet on your side, it's not really mm. doing anything, really. It's not going to... But we're the side with the giant trebuchet. Mm. Yeah. And it, uh, Oh, yeah. Like, most cases, in actual fact, like, except maybe one or two, nearly all cases of a castle wall coming down in a siege was due to, like, sapping. Um, yeah, uh, you right, know, yeah, digging yeah. underneath it. So that uh, really was effective. Oh, well, Tried it happened. and tested. Yeah, yeah, it, it was effective um, in a number, number of instances. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. The more famous one, oh gosh, castle. It escaped me. Uh, it's been done since ancient yeah, times. Yeah. I mm. mean, 
yeah, back in the in the Assyrian times, they would undermine walls. Mm -hmm. So that's as old as time. But there's a good uh, shot of 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 command there, where you get uh, again, sort of hopefully, the scale of the thing. Yeah, and and you can imagine back in the 14th century, of course, there weren't all these other more modern buildings there, and it sort of sits right on the the coastline, as it would always have done. So again, not necessarily commanding precision in terms of sort of sitting mm -hmm. high above the landscape, but strategically uh, just a Very vital important. spot. Well, it's also, um, uh, it's not only a castle, it's also a citadel. It was, uh, it was attached to the city and you can see the wall that was coming out of it on the side and then coming on the other side. That was the original yeah, wall of the old the city there, right yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. And so it was also part of not only protecting, but controlling that location, that city. Uh, and that's what citadel means. So a citadel is a castle that is attached to a city. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. That's uh, there's a good shot from the inside yep, again. That's the above sort of the, the gatehouse. So uh, it looks like a lovely day. <laughs> I would love to have been there that day. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's close up thing. towards the other end where and see see the ground the level. Yeah, yeah, see and yeah. and you're close up. There's a the number of those, right? There are, there are, right, right. and you're up to the highest end of it. That and that ground level is literally in line with that opening you saw on the um, gatehouse. And there's two gatehouses. One that opens outside of the city walls. And, and that's the one on the far side, where the, kind of we're facing here on the far corner of that image. And then there's one that opens up to the city, and you, can, and you would enter it by either. And there you can quite clearly see the sort of Byzantine-style stripes yes. on it there. And again, that's a, a real photo, but it looks so... Um, <laughs> okay, it's like a, 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 a drawing or someone's from someone's imagination or a, a Hollywood set or something. Yeah. Um, so I think the next picture is the, my next pick. Oh, yes. Um, Bodium, isn't it? Bodium. Yeah. Yes, Bodium. Um, so I, I, I picked this one, just quickly say, yeah. um, to contrast to sort of the giant Carmarthen. Mm -hmm. This is sort of a little jewel box one. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, it, it, um, I just, I, it's sort of a bit of a personal pick. Lots of people love it. It's one of my favourite. Right. Yeah. It's just this little jewel, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, Haven't visited yet. And it was on the list, but there's been so much to visit. We haven't Probably. been able to fit in, and we might not get to, and that uh, so, but um, yeah, uh, Bodium is gorgeous. It's one of the ones that has the most striking silhouettes on profile in terms of its symmetrical nature. Yeah, it's absolutely uh, symmetrical, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Look at that; it is gorgeous, and it, it's it's on the bigger bigger end, but it's not one of the monsters by any means. But it is still on the larger side of, of most castles. Uh, but it is gorgeous. And you see those matriculations just on that front gatehouse. Uh, matriculations are less often um, uh, regular on English castles. So usually you see them fastly more represented on French ones. Uh, but you do see them. And there's one instance where you see, ah, that is gorgeous. And one of the towers on Warwick actually has like a full matriculated battlement. And as was, later castles, it was more common in, on English castles, the later period. And Bodin was built a bit later in terms of the overall scale of you know, mm. castle. Uh, mm. constructions um but gosh it's beautiful there's so many on that which couldn't make it on my list warwick castle you warwick, warwick, yeah, warwick's yeah. one of them mm. arundel tintagel mm. oh, there's a great there's many, so many, so uh, many but where something like bodium is um uh it's again something approaching perfect <laughs> for me and you can see there's more than a moat that it's set in yeah it's in it's a lake, in, or a pond, I don't know, people define lake and pond differently in different right, ways. Yeah. yeah. And so this is one of those ones where I, 
um, sort of originally it was um, to sort because of, it's down in uh, uh, Sussex, mm-hmm. um, East Sussex. So it's quite close to the south coast. It's quite close to if a French army was invading from France, mm-hmm. you would come up against this castle. And so, mm-hmm. so in the Hundred Years' War, sort of in the first instance, it was meant to be a, a point to, that the French would, any invading French army would have to take before they got to London. It never happened. Mm-hmm. We know the French never did more than sort of very small raids into Britain, very small mm-hmm. really. Um, nothing like the Grand Chevrolet we did in France. Mm-hmm. So it was never really needed to be, uh, it was never actually used to yeah. sort of hold up a whole French army, but that was the idea originally. Well, it was also built in, in a later period uh, when castles, there was a desire for um, the residences to be a bit more comfortable. Mm. And so there's mm. some interesting defensive oddities and weaknesses uh, with Bodium for the sake of comfort. They, they kind of sacrifice that. For, and like there's like the stereotypical big like, um, uh, fireplaces and the walls to keep things very warm and comfortable. The moat is an interesting one because there's a mound on that side right in front of a hill that kind of goes down. And as a result, an attacking uh, army could easily dig a trench. They would need to protect them from arrow fire from a castle. They could easily dig a trench to where that hill goes down and drain the moat completely. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so there are some odd kind of defensive weak points on it. Um, yet, in contrast, there's some real luxuries <coughs> in the castle which uh, make it really grand. Because like a lot of castles, mm-hmm. um, they, uh, there might be a great deal of, car- great many castles, there'll be sort of a very, very early, perhaps mm-hmm. even pre-Norman invasion thing there. Mm-hmm. Then the Normans build something on top of it. <laughs> then at some point in yeah. the Middle Ages, something else is built on it. Mm-hmm. And then um, in the days of the Civil War, they do something else. Mm-hmm. Then the Victorians renovate it and mm-hmm. rejig it and mm-hmm. redo it and reimagine it yep. and all that sort of thing. And so you're actually looking at this sort of, um, this sort of mishmash of things. Oh, yeah. A whole, la- whole sorts of layers of time going on. Uh, Warwick, Bodium's one of those. Well, Warwick is definitely one of those as well. You actually can look at the kind of progression of, of the periods in it. Uh, but sorry, yes, what are you saying, Warwick? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Mm. Uh, Bodium's just one of those things. So, you know, even in um, Lord Curzon in the early 20th century, I think was the last person to sort of privately own it. Mm-hmm. And so that's right up to the 20th century. And they're still building on it and adding mm. things. And um, so wh- what you're looking at there is you think, oh, that's a sort of a, a 13th, 14th century thing. Well, yeah, maybe originally <laughs> in the first instance, sure. Yeah. Over hundreds and hundreds of years, it's been played with and added yeah. to, and all sorts of stuff. Uh, um, and again, it's sort of the perfectly symmetrical thing about it. And again, set for mm-hmm. me in sort of your classic English countryside. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, it's beautiful. There's a, there's lovely. A, there's a lovely thing. Castle that's similar in design uh, in France, and it's Castle Rocaillard. Um, okay. And it has this gorgeous layout with like strong, rounded, uh, corner towers and instead of having like a blocky uh, uh, or more square kind of um, you know uh, gatehouse it has higher rounded towers on the inside and as a result it looks very English because it was built by uh, an English kind of castle builder that came over to France but, the, but what's interesting about Roc Tayard is that in like the 18th or 19th century uh, they did have an architect come in and just basically redo the entire center to just make it more livable mm-hmm. um, 
And yeah, and so that happens to a lot of castles where they kind of will gut the inside to uh, renovate it to be more, more modern contemporary standards, which throws people a lot because then they go back to these castles and they think this is a medieval castle when they're looking at, well, actually, this is 18th century design on the inside. Mm, mm. Mm. There's one example I'll get uh, towards the end of the list where it's, it's a, 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 uh, that in spades. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there's another a picture of it. Again, it's sort of, it's sort of like if you were going to design something from scratch mm -hmm. to look great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just to look brilliant. Uh, again, almost like uh, just conjured out of someone's imagination, but it's actually real. It's, you know, genuinely a sort of 14th century. Um, yeah. So picturesque. Gorgeous. It's beautiful. Beautiful castle. And uh, that's probably in Internal Bay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's quite a lot that it's, it's sort of largely. Well, not largely, but uh, ruined to a degree mm -hmm. on the inside. Uh, sort of, you know, left, quite deliberately yeah. left so. Um, Gosh, you can actually see so many fireplaces on the wall inset there. Yeah. Um, uh, because it was built to um, give the internal rooms residents a lot more livability. Uh, and look, a lot of castles, you might be surprised at how many rooms have fireplaces. But, of course, you can really tell, like, if there's a fireplace in this room, it's meant to be livable. And then there's a lot of rooms just without them. Uh, completely. Uh, I like a ruin, yeah, me. Yeah. I'm so easily pleased <clears throat> when it comes to castles. If it's little more than a footprint, mm -hmm. I'll still spend ages walking around yeah. and looking at it, trying to imagine what it is. So something like this, which is semi-ruined, mm -hmm. it's still brilliant. Yeah. There's something, it's, it's a bit more romantic as well when mm -hmm. uh, there's, it's a bit ruined, you know. Um, when something's like completely perfect, like the White Tower, it's sort of is sort of completely intact. Um, it's almost missing something in a way, if Partly, you know what I mean. It's an odd thing to say, but... What I do love, and I've only been able to get the experience once, um, is because uh, you, you want to imagine what was this building like in its time, when it was built as a defensive building. Uh, what, what, were the, what did the inside look like? How was it decorated? How, what was it in its pristine condition? And uh, one castle was like that for me, and it was Castle Koch in, in Wales. C-O-C-H, and it's pretty much in pristine condition in the inside and outside, and it really does feel like stepping back in time because it's so oh. perfect, and uh, that was a treat. For I'll me. have to check it out. Yeah. I'm not familiar with that one. Yeah. I'll, uh, like, I will like, Google it. Yeah, I, like I Is said. Is it in I, South Wales? Yes. Somewhere? Yes. Okay. So, so near Caerphilly. Oh, mm. look at those arches. Oh, I love that. Mm. Gothic arches. Like, those would look so grand on the inside when you're inside this building. I imagine yeah. perhaps that might have been sort of a, an, an inner chapel area or something, or a cloister of some type. I don't know. I wonder. Like, usually, usually there's like a separation in between like a great hall and they might have a right. Possibly, so, yeah. so this would be yeah, where yeah, a, yeah, a lot yeah. of the court might be held. And the other room would be a more informal, it could be the solar, it could be a sitting area, the, the whip drawing room or drawing room back then. Uh, but other times it, it can be like uh, access to kitchens and things. And I know with uh, Bodium, because uh, I've watched a couple of videos that go into it, when you enter it, you have like a buttery on one side. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I forget what was the other, but you like, literally have like, you know, access to different things when you go in or you go through and where, where the lords live and... Yeah. Oh, so yeah, the buttery was on one side and kitchen was on the other, I think. Um, People don't have butteries anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just sort of, uh, 
the sort of a, a lovely place to go and visit. Mm-hmm. Um, a lovely day out. Um, yeah, if you're in, even remotely interested mm-hmm. in history. Uh, and there it is. I, think, I think that's the last Gosh. picture. It's just sort Gosh. of, uh, yeah. It does make me think that the, um, oh, how much defensive use would the basements be? Because you can't really get round it with, um, you know, the, the, the lake, the pond, the moat. Yeah, the, uh, the side in. towers, I feel, would be more to have a platform to shoot people on the sides. So if you're approaching from the front, you have that gatehouse, and those, those are kind of, they're half kind of flanking towers. They're sticking out. Yeah. And so that does give you field of fire to kind of shoot sideways. If you could people, shoot at an angle yeah. downwards. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, um, and I'd, I'd love to see if there's a slot matriculation sitting just above that gatehouse there. Because if you're just going to pour uh, hot oil or something, down through those matriculations, it's just going to drop straight into the water. There's not going to be anyone. Well, yeah, that, there. Yeah, um, but but if you could get an angle from the, <clears> and sometimes you do have a kind of a, a field of fire there, and if if they were to drop something, usually it would be bo- like they could they would boil sand and sand with, and you can get so so imagine sand over because oil, oil can be a valuable resource, right? But sand yeah, you can get sand anywhere, <clears throat> and uh, and you don't have to melt it for it to get scalding hot. And then when it pours down on people, it gets stuck in their armor and things. Yeah, it'll be like napalm. I, yeah, napalm. I, yeah, uh, delicious. And, and there were other things like, like also boiling urine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or just anything that you know is um, um, sort of rancid. Yeah, 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 that as well. That uh, as yeah. Well. Um, so it's very, very early type of biological or chemical warfare. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit much to call it that. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> okay, well, it's the next pick. Yes. So this is, that's the White Tower mm-hmm. in the Tower of London. Yeah. Um, so just to say, that was first built by, was it not, William II? So again, we're talking the very, very early. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, 11th century. 11th century. Yeah. Um, and the only kind of uh, keep that predates is the Great Tower of Chepstow. Uh, right, yeah. Yeah. So uh, Rochester's very early, isn't it? I believe. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the Headingham we saw was yes, very, yeah. very early. Mm. But it's basically mm-hmm. one of the very earliest yes. and certainly the mm. best preserved Norman keep. Yes. And on a bigger scale than pretty much any other. This Norman is actually keep. a huge. I've been there in person and I've been able to compare it to uh, Chepstow and, and Portchester and Corfe. And so those three ones in particular are very early. Uh, Norman Castle, or the, the keep portion. Of course, they added things later on. Um, and the interesting thing about um, Portchester, Corfe, and even uh, Chepstow, they actually it's built in a similar way to uh, the White Tower here, where they have a line of kind of flatter buttresses along the wall. And it's really interesting. It, it creates like a, um, a more detail and, and pattern and uh, decoration, because it's not this. They're not technically necessary. They're, they're not architectural stability buttresses. They're too, too narrowly on the wall. And so they're mainly there for the design and pattern, and they look beautiful as a result. It really m- m- kind of mixes up. As instead of just a plain wall, you have these flat buttresses on them. And with the White Tower, then you have ar- like archways that are framing windows. Or, uh, and, and, but that's actually a common design style that we see on these very, very early heaps. Mm. And it's gorgeous. Let's say William II, William Rufus, is the son mm. of William the Conqueror. <laughs> so basically, in the next generation after the Norman Conquest, yeah. 
So again, knocking a thousand years old. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, the thing about the Tower of London, because I've been there many, many, many mm. times coming from London. Again, some, some of my most cherished childhood memories are going around the Tower of London. And the Tower of London is that classic example of a thing where um, as the centuries go by, it's got mm. built on more and more. And so yeah. it's almost like a, an onion. Like, oh, uh, yeah, very the much so the closer you get to the middle, the older it is. Yes. A per almost a perfect example of that. Mm -hmm. um, and the main thing, if you're a castle nerd, at the centre is, is the White Tower. Mm -hmm. There's so much more. You've been to the Tower of London recently, yes, right? Yes, yeah, so, recently. So there's so much more to see than simply yes. the White Tower. But mm -hmm. for this conversation, I'm going to really <laughs> concentrate on the White Tower. Um, so there, there is so much that I could say I could do, easily do a whole epoch, two, two and a half, three hours talking about the Tower <laughs> of London. Um, so I'm only going to really skip over some of the main things. There's another a view of it. In, in the, the outer, within the outer walls of the Tower of London, there's all sorts of buildings. Yes. Um, there's Tower Green, which where a lot of people got their heads chopped off. <laughs> um, there's Traitor's Gate, where a lot of people you, you rode up the Thames mm -hmm. and into the Tower through Traitor's Gate. There's the Royal Armoury there, lots to see there. There's the Crown Jewels. There's so many things to see and talk about. Um, but the, the, the keep itself, I think, is among the greatest pieces of um, a British person's heritage. Mm. I honestly believe it's one of the most valuable things. It's, you know, a truly priceless thing. It is. Uh, I, I consider sort of... these works of art and it's how well it has been preserved is a testament because this is one of the best preserved. Like all those other castles I was talking about that were built in similar design, which is, again, Port Chester, Corf, um uh, and uh the the keep of um uh it escaped me chipstone oh chipstone yeah um yeah. all right all in various levels of ruin but this mm. is remarkably well and it is also huge in scale in comparison to its contemporaries of the mm. time yeah, yeah like, yeah, like yeah. many times bigger than the headingham we saw yes many many times bigger we, like in, right? like yeah. you really get that sense when you go inside and there's like there are these vast open spaces like wow this is actually it's still huge. completely used yeah. as a as a, it's still a functioning all the rooms are still functioning yes. things yeah it's and, absolutely still usable in every sense and i think people might be getting thrown a bit because even in this image there are people are close to the camera so their perspective is off but if you look at those people walking up the stairs mm -hmm. close to it mm. because these levels on each level. So um, it's single like five levels if you include the undercroft. Is it? No, that might be four levels if you include the undercroft, right? But the height of these, these rooms are immense. Mm, these are right. tall rooms and you can see that by the windows there. Mm, mm, um, mm. And those windows each match like deep, deep alcoves because the walls on this thing is like five meters thick, four to five meters. So the walls, walls are hugely thick and you have these big alcoves that reach to all the windows and then you have these massively just high ceilings with these vast spaces and so like i said when you look at the three pictures you can get thrown off by the scale because people usually think you know height of window height of person no no no. that window is like three times the height of a person mm. at least that but those bottom ones there mm. uh it's this thing is huge for for a, a square classic norman style keep like this 
Yeah. Out of the many, out of the almost endless things I could say about the Tower of London, one thing I sort of want to say, you can see there how in the centre of London it is. That's on the inner side of Tower Bridge. Mm-hmm. And there's Tower Hill, is just, just out of shot there, what would be Tower Hill, or what is Tower Hill. Um, there's, there's a big part of a Roman wall there. So going back to Roman Britain, I think it dates from the age of, not Claudius, but um, Trajan or somebody. Um, so there was some sort of Roman fault on this spot. Mm-hmm. And when William the Conqueror turns up, He's like, well, I'm just going <laughs> to renovate that and build my own thing on this footprint of a Roman thing. And uh, it's sort of, it, 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 not anymore because modern London is modern London, but it would mm. have dom- been a dominating oh, spot yeah. to build. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you're not coming into London mm-hmm. without uh, having to deal with the, the Tower of London at some point. And the scale can also be thrown out when you're looking at this because you see the scale of modern buildings all around it, right? In the medieval period, be nothing near at that right. size, apart from maybe a big cathedral or something, and it might have the main tower uh, reaching a height or, or bigger, but nearly every other building around it would be just like tiny in comparison. So this would dominate the, the, the view of the city quite yeah. considerably. And it wasn't until the Victorian period, uh, it was only in the Victorian period that it became sort of a, a, an attraction. Mm-hmm. Even up to the 19th century, it was a military position it was a garrison mm-hmm. it was uh, always been used for all sorts of things obviously been used as a, a prison been used as a, a, a an armory or a magazine mm-hmm. um it was the place where soldiers were kept if there was any problem in london and you needed soldiers to quell anything mm-hmm. there was a garrison in the tower of london yeah um for hundreds and hundreds oh, and hundreds of years that was the case you can tell by some of these outer walls where the uh, um, portholes are not arrow slits. They're, those are for cannons, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so oh, yeah. they're like a lot of the outer walls are built for cannon placements. Mm-hmm. If, um, if Mr. Bonaparte, if Monsieur Bonaparte ever <laughs> tried to sail up the, the Thames, <laughs> he would have been bombarded from there. Absolutely, no, 100%. Um, <clears throat> and you can also see, as I mentioned, sort of this, this idea of sort of an onion, that the outer... Uh, layers there's qu- quite a lot there's even more than sort of suggested in that picture yeah um and there's a moat sorry a dried up what is now completely yes, dried up dry moat, moat area around mm-hmm. the outside and uh tower tower bridge station is right nearby um uh, again it's not a cheap but a brilliant day out <laughs> it's not cheap right they do charge quite a lot to yeah. get in these days last time i visited was four or five years ago and i was surprised by mm-hmm. how much it is to get in but there's there's so much to see oh right? yeah absolutely like there is a medieval kind of graffiti, and especially in a lot of the prison towers of when people that were just held in prison there. They, uh, and I wasn't just like the crap graffiti where people signed their names. They actually made pieces of art carved into the stone that is still there to be seen. And uh, some are really, really elaborate. Because they might be, might be a prisoner in the tower for years, mm-hmm. quite possibly. There's obviously been very, lots and lots and lots of extremely famous Prisoners there. Riley's Walk is one of them, where Sir Walter Riley was there. But actually, mm-hmm. the list is endless. Oh, yeah, there's a big list. Uh, lots of people were imprisoned and, in fact, executed there. So, yeah. even going back to the days of Rufus, from the earliest days, this would have been a symbol of horror and oppression. It would have been terrifying, a terrifying thing. For the enemies, yes, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Or even domestic ones. If you, mm-hmm. you're being sent to the oh, tower, true, it's yep. sort of, a, it might be shorthand mm-hmm. for you're going to be tortured to death now well uh, you will not come out again alive it it does depend like um like a lot of medieval prisoners were actually 
treated quite well. I mean, if he had a lot of money. Well, if he had a lot of money. And the king decided it, he wasn't going to, yes. you could be released. Yeah. If you were being held for ransom, um, uh, right. you, you didn't necessarily want them to die. You wanted to be paid. Uh, and so some of these rooms that they were held prisoner in have fireplaces. And they're actually, in terms of the scale of medieval, you know, domestic uh, level, it's decently well sized in all honesty. And you're, you are living in a castle, <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. you know, so in comparison to living in a, in a hovel um, in a village, it, it was much, much nicer. And, uh, and so, of course, the people that they wanted to punish, they punished. And there, there was punishment, there, they, like there was levels of medieval brutality that are um, quite shocking. But on the other scale, there were people who lived here for years um, in... Relatively good conditions, actually. Yeah. 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 If you had money, um, and the king wasn't too displeased with you, mm -hmm. uh, right? Yeah, could mm -hmm. be. Um, I mean, just some of the like Bishop Fisher, Thomas More, Thomas Cromwell, Anne Boleyn. I mean, mm -hmm. the the list is endless. Mm -hmm. Really, they were even shooting World War One German prisoners in the tower. <laughs> so, in the beginning of the twentieth century, mm -hmm. it was still being used as a place to hold enemies of the state. And you'd be executed on the mm. grounds of yeah. South London, even in the early 20th mm. century. Um, <clears throat> so there you go. Uh, again, this sort of just sort of ah yeah. So these see these crenellations. Those are that's for cannon placement, right? There. right? The way that they flare outwards on the outside, where for archer archer um, arrow loops, it's the reverse. It's thin from the outside and wide on the inside. This it's wide on the outside because the cannon needs to be able to rotate. Um, and so yeah, that's that's. Well, cannons. another castle you mentioned, which didn't make the list, Dover Castle. Yes. Even yes. in World War II, mm -hmm. when Mr. Hitler and his evil Nazis <laughs> were threatening to invade Albion, Dover <laughs> Castle was converted yep. in all sorts of ways. Like, we're going to mm -hmm. have artillery exchanges with the mm -hmm. Wehrmacht. That's going to happen, <laughs> yeah. like, any day. Oh, and it's on the coast, well, basically on the coast, but, you know. Yeah, well, the Tower of London was the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, we need to move in some... Some of our best howitzers <laughs> to to shoot German naval naval vessels, warships. They're going to be sailing up the Thames, <laughs> and we're going to have to shoot them from the Tower of London. I mean, in yeah. the forties. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible, really, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Of course, we all know that never that never happened. Mm -hmm. And it's quite a, it's a very picturesque yes. thing and as well. It's beautiful as well. The White Tower. Some of point out the domes on top of the towers. Of course, that's not a medieval. No, nope. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Added later. Yeah. Mm. There's, there's lots, of, lots of later things, quite a few buildings people might have noticed from the pictures mm. on the inside. I like Georgian era yeah. or Victorian even. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the Victorians actually buggered around and played around with it quite a bit and moved mm. some bits around and rejigged some stuff. Yeah. Uh, but the White Tower itself is, is obviously authentic, is it, it, other it, than those top Yeah, those. but the, the building itself is mm. incredibly well preserved. Mm. Yeah. Mm. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, um, well, I haven't been in a few years. I've been yeah. maybe 10 times in my whole life. I would life, like to so know if those windows... I'd love to go back again any day. Those windows on the bottom level, that's single the second level. And so they are pretty high up. They're above, you know, you'd need a ladder to reach them. But I do wonder if they were there originally, because that would be considered offensive weakness. But if they're not, like, because it did have the surrounding wall and they still are high up. And so that's something I would like to confirm. But though they have such large archways in the stone, that, that, that implies that that would have to have been built as part of the original construction because the archway opening for and provision for those windows are huge. Right, um, yeah. And that'd be really hard to dig it. Unless, <coughs> unless those 
unless the, the alcoves were there, but it led to an arrow slit or, or something like that. Some people think there's like one crown. There's many, many there, crowns there and multiple, scepters. There was multiple. Multiple crowns and scepters and orbs and mm. then the sort of golden, giant golden soup terrines and yep. it goes on and on and on. Um, yeah, there's, there's loads of crowns actually. See, Henry VIII's armour was a... Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, there's a little suit of armour for a, a child. We saw that. I which, got yeah, um, pictures of that. It's always stuck in my memory since, mm. since I was a child. It's a beautiful big um, bearing swords as well. Yeah, the armoury yeah. was great to see. Uh, my next pick is Korf. Korf, um, yes. Again, it's very, very ruined, Korf. Mm -hmm. I've been there myself. Loved it, though. <sighs> Bloody it's... parliamentarians, they love doing Th That's the what castles, it was. Yeah. Right, yeah, it dates from a very early period, but it wasn't mm. until the 1650s, mm. or is it 1640s, when mm. the parliamentary forces battered it down. It's because they had so much trouble taking it, they didn't want to do it. It was so effective, even against in the age of cannon fire and, and guns and stuff. Well, I don't think, the, I think the people besieging the castle just weren't really well equipped. They didn't have cannons on them. And so they were just, right. they had muskets and <laughs> muskets ain't going to do it for castles. And so they, they had a lot of trouble. In actual fact, like there was a, at, at one point, a garrison of like 20 to 25 people, I forget the exact number, but a small garrison was able to hold off uh, a besieging force of 200. Yeah, yeah. Goes to you mentioned a false multiplier. That's exactly And it. then some. Yeah. Cool. Like, when it was in its good nick, it oh, was it was you needed it, to batter it to pieces. Yes. The, the you hill, needed to. The hill that it is on, it is basically it makes it nearly unapproachable with siege engines and everything. It's one of it has such a so many accurately well done principles of uh, defensive design and just like the position they keep on this big, big hill. Like, yeah, no siege tower is going to get there. The only way of logical approach is through the main gate entrance, and that's where you pile up the defences, like, you've got to get through layers. And it's just uh, such a testament to how effective castles were that even in the age of gunpowder, 20, 25 people holding off 200. Mm. I mean, mm. it's astounding. You can see the scale of a couple of little people there. Mm -hmm. And the thing, so it's quite damn big. Yes. But also, um, the, the sheerness of the of the ground that it rests on. Mm -hmm. um, it really is sort of sheer in places and in other places just extremely, extremely steep. Yes. Um, and again, sort of a great doubt. If you like the romance of a ruined castle, you, you won't find much better than Kulf. Yeah. Um, and so you can yeah, kind of... So look at it. Do you see those kind of really flat buttresses along the side wall? Mm. And uh, that's what the original keep was. And uh, Kulf Castle actually is more square with more of those buttresses than a lot of our, when you when you see recreations of it when it you know was, was intact and uh, again you can see the buttressing on, on the sides there and so the keep is actually very early like we're talking right about, oh yeah yeah, yeah. it's yeah. norman isn't it yeah late norman i think yeah it was built around the same time as uh, port chester keep uh tower of london oh so not late early right. early sorry yeah early I yeah, mean, yeah 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 um Again, it's just sort of a, a beautiful thing. Any any uh, castle nerd oh, yeah. has got to love Corf. Corf, like again, um, you're, you're, because of the hill, it's so and steep. There, it's so steep, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, like everything is so steep. You only have really one option apart from that front gatehouse, mm. and that gatehouse originally there wasn't a bridge there. You know, like, and so drawbridge and everything. And then even if you got through that, you have this big open bailey and another gatehouse just behind it, mm. and it's the only option because everything else is too steep. Mm. And once you get through that one, you got to get through another. And it's just, ah, it, it, it's beautifully designed and lay, laid out. It was 
I there's so it, much to love. I think it's one of those ones where, yeah, without kind of reducing it to rubble, that's all you could do mm-hmm. to it. Um, yeah. Just to, uh, if it's intact. So, yeah, when you go up there, well, this mm-hmm. is like when you're up there, you can see it's... So, uh, this part here was that added on later. Um, I forget which period exactly, but it's very much more gothic kind of. Uh, uh, and it wasn't necessarily built as like uh, a castle attachment in terms of a defensive building. It was more livable manor house kind of side attachment, still medieval. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, you can really tell um, by the, the gorgeous archways <laughs> ahead of it. And unfortunately, we're run, starting to completely run out of time, so I have to whip through my last couple of picks. Okay, well, we'll do but a speed run. It's, yeah. uh, uh, so this is Heaver Castle. Heaver, yes. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and it's belonged to all sorts of families throughout mm-hmm. the years, but famously belonged to the Boleyn family. Anne Boleyn yes. sort of spent Anne a big part of, her, part of her childhood there. And again, this is right near where I live and grew up, so I've mm. visited it a couple of times. And for me, uh, where Corfe was like a, the real deal utility mm. and defensive position, Heaver really isn't. <laughs> it's more of a, a sort of... Uh, Manor house castle. Yeah, it's more, more of a country li- house yeah. that looks like a castle, mm. really. Um, yeah. I don't believe it was, and it's so a lot of it. Although again, like a lot of these castles, there's an element that is much older. But the main part of it is, mm. or the part that survives, is Tudor. Yes. So if you're looking for something Tudor-esque, yeah, you can really it, tell it's by Hever. the side walls there, like the front facing. Yeah, you can see there's more medieval origins. But as soon as you get to those sides with the big windows, you're looking at Tudor stuff. Yeah, mm. and again, it's sort of like a, a little jewel box yeah. or something. Um, again, if you, if you're in love with sort of the mm. English aesthetic, oh. it's sort of perfect for me. Yeah. I mean, look at that. But it's also representative um, of, a, of a, another, there's subcategories of castle. And one of them is the fortified manor house. It is uh, a type yeah, right. of castle. Yeah, no, yeah, and, yeah. and even though it's not got the huge defensive seriousness of say Carnarvon, right? Like if there's a local issue, rebellion or, or whatever, right? It's in the middle of a, of a pond, basically. You, you, you'll raise the drawbridge and good luck getting through the windows. And, and for low level of defensibility, they're quite adequate. And, there's a good, and so the fortified manor house is a really intriguing kind of subcategory to look at. Mm. And not many people are even aware of them. Mm. Yeah. One of the things about Heaver is, 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 is it is one of those examples where it had a very early medieval uh, origin. Mm-hmm. Um, um, heavily built upon over the centuries and certainly by the Tudor period and during the Tudor period was sort mm-hmm. of at its But then in the 19th century, an American multi-multi-millionaire bought it yep, yep. and re, uh, refurbished it mm-hmm. uh, into his idea of what a, a Tudor fortified manor house would look like. And I just mm-hmm. went through a fair few sort of interior shots there. And although it's as uh, original and authentic as it can be, a lot of it is also mm-hmm. uh, Victorian era reimagining. I mean, it's, it's all authentic, but mm-hmm. um, it was what that American millionaire wanted yeah. to see. Sometimes uh, I see. But then that, sorry, oh, but then that. that is. Yeah, sort of, that is so true. It's the real, mm. that is the real deal. There's yeah. nothing inauthentic about it. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I find that the, the kind of rich people coming in after the fact, they do have very good intentions. This was the case with Castle Koch. Um, when they wanted to base, uh, they rebuilt the entire thing, and uh, and the intent was to try and make it as accurate to medieval aesthetic. They got some things wrong here and there because they didn't have access to huge, you know, amounts of accurate information. But 
their effort was valiant and it's a tribute what they ended up with as a result. Yeah. I could talk about Heaver for quite a while yeah. because there's so much to say, but mm -hmm. my, my last pick, which I will whiz through super quickly, is a little bit cheeky because it's not a castle. Okay. I have been a little bit cheeky. It's an abbey. Ah. But... Oh, wait, wait. Okay, wait. Um, Mont Saint Michel. Mont Saint Michel. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who loves medieval yes. architecture yes. just yes. loves Mont Saint Michel. Yeah. So it's in Normandy, or it's just off the coast of Normandy, or it's in a flood plain um, uh, of, of Normandy. It's Norman. Mm -hmm. um, I am being cheeky because it is an abbey. It's well, truly, completely an abbey. But it's a um, it was a fortified community, and it has that defensive mm. wall on the outside. And so I get why people get confused with it. And, but it, what it does, it creates such a striking silhouette. In fact, it's an iconic silhouette that people love to duplicate in fantasy castle design as a result. Yeah. yeah. For me, um, it, where I mentioned Nordschwanstein was my mm. second favourite yeah, in terms yeah. of pure aesthetic. It's because mm -hmm. Monster Michel takes the crown yes. for me. And, and you know that like list of fantasy castle, what would be my favourite fantasy castle? Yeah, Nordschwanstein would be, sorry, I mean, Monster Michel would be in that list. Right, as well. yeah. It's yeah. sort of unbelievable, mm -hmm. isn't it? Look at it. Like, Look, is that, yeah. is that even real? All right? Yeah. You know, <laughs> surely that's an AI image. Nothing yeah. is that spectacular, but it is, of, it is real. Uh, just to quickly then say the sort of the inner 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 sanctum thing the original thing like from like the 8th century or that was oh, demolished and the only thing yeah. that's left is like more from the 10th century and then it's been built on like all these castles there's layers of time oh yeah and the things at the top that you can see are um nowhere near 10th mm -hmm. century uh, mm -hmm. but it is a benedictine abbey so a more of an it's flying buck uh, flying buttresses and mm -hmm. all that sort of thing oh yes um and um i haven't visited it Mm -hmm. And I mean to, perhaps next year, and I've meant to my whole life. Mm -hmm. um, but um, it is one of those things where, again, uh, mm -hmm. you can sort of, it's scarcely believable. Um, yeah. And uh, not many people live there. I think only sort of permanently 30 or 40 people live there mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, but, um, you know, it existed in the 11th century. William the Conqueror mm -hmm. will have visited there or did certainly visit there and things. Um, so, um, it's just, it, it's just spectacular. Yeah, yeah, really. it's, it's a work of art. It's one of the most beautiful kind of structural silhouettes in, it's a combination of nature and the architecture that they've built upon it to create something incredible. Like mm -hmm. on this floodplain, mm -hmm. um, just sort of everything about it is remarkable. Um, like, and, like look uh, at that. Yeah. That is just amazing it's one of those i saw a tweet the other day from one of mm. those twitter accounts that just sort of exalt great mm. medieval architecture it just sort of said humans built this <laughs> you're like yeah it's, it's sort of yeah. among our greatest achievements on some level in sort of mm. the purely aesthetic sense yeah um uh so just coming to an end here you mentioned the silhouette look at that like and we love to try and duplicate that silhouette a lot in fantasy, the Disney kind mm. of aesthetic, it where is, it's, it's, it's low that. on the outside, peaking in the middle. That's the inspiration for a lot of what you see. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. absolutely. I think that's we're getting right to the very, very end here. Of mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it is something Disney have uh, plagiarized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be kind to yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, there you go. I think that's the last picture. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a little bit cheeky there where it was an abbey and not a true <laughs> castle, but nonetheless. I can understand um, completely, though, yeah. 
Shad, it's been an honour and a pleasure. Thank Likewise. you for your time. Thank you, Barry. Uh, unfortunately, it is limited. <clears throat> Put it there. Um, and I just wish we had more time. Mm -hmm. uh, we'd go through a hundred different cartoons. Oh, easily, um, easily. But if you want to, at some point, we'll have you back on Zoom or something yeah, like that. Because I'd love to just talk to you about swords or something oh, as well. Oh, that's another uh, subject. Um, yeah, anytime, anytime. So, uh, well, thanks again. Pleasure. So I hope you guys out there liked it. Until next time, take care. See you later.